Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Pulled from the hottest topics coming across our news desk, I'm Elissa Branch, and this is Housing Wire Daily. Today you'll be listening to a Real Trends crossover episode that features an interview with the CEO and co-founder of Side Real Estate, Guy Gao. In this episode, Gao shares some insight into Side's second round of funding and 2.5 billion valuation, as well as how a tech-focused backend was vital to the company's success. But before we listen, here's a brief word from our sponsor. At Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, We know your vision of success is unique to you. That's why your goals and our culture of support go hand in hand. We give you the tools and support you need to thrive and live your best life. Come home to Atlantic Bay. Visit joinatlanticbay.com to explore what's possible. Atlantic Bay Mortgage Group, NMLS number 72043 is an equal opportunity employer. This is Tracy Velt, Managing Editor for Real Trends. Today, you'll be listening to an exclusive interview with Guy Gal, CEO and co-founder of Side Real Estate, based in San Francisco. Founded in 2017, Side is one of the fastest real estate companies to reach the $1 billion valuation milestone, doing it in just four years. A tech entrepreneur, innovator, and angel investor, Guy is dedicated to transforming the best real estate agents into market-leading businesses. He believes that the future of real estate is local, boutique, specialized, and agent-owned. So welcome, Guy. Ah, thank you, Tracy. Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. So I've spoken to, like I said, a few side executives in the past, but we've not had the opportunity to meet. So I am thrilled to be able to get you on the podcast. Um, Overdue, but better late than never. Definitely. So I want to talk, uh, for those who don't understand or know your business model, because you have a unique one, why don't you tell the audience just a little bit about your, um, you know, why you founded Side and your, you know, your business model and how you go about your with your strategy? Yeah, Side's a very different type of brokerage because we're not a brand, we're a platform. Uh, that means we're invisible, we're white label, so consumers, buyers, sellers never actually interact with the side brand itself. Uh, the way it all sort of, and the reason why that is, is because it's really important today to create differentiation amongst agents so that they can stand apart as opposed to all resemble each other because that's what allows them to actually service clients in the best way and actually win clients in the most efficient way. When we started the company, uh, which was about four and a half years ago now, what we recognized was that there was a segment of agent that was very underserved by the existing brokerages. And that was your top producer, your top producing teams. It was an emerging segment, mm-hmm. uh, something that did not exist 30, 40 years ago, not even 20 or 15 years ago. It yeah. really corresponded with the rise of the internet. Um, and the brokerages, of course, are designed to support into an agent that's maybe doing three to seven deals a year, which is like your average agent. And that's a very different set of needs than an agent who's doing 30, 40, 50 plus transactions a year. So that's what we created side. We created side to exclusively cater into high volume uh, individual producing agents, teams, and indies. And today, almost five years in, 
Uh, we're very fortunate to represent over 300 um, partners, 300 brands, as you can see, many of which are here behind me, uh, that this year will close over $20 billion in volume. Okay, great. And I did want to talk about some uh, Series D uh, money that you recently had. So I saw that your company secured its Series D for $150 million, um, led by KOTU Management. Uh, during that process, your company received a $1 billion valuation, one of the only real estate companies to achieve unicorn status, which is that private startup that achieves that $1 billion valuation. So many brokers talk about the challenges of competing with companies that are receiving these unrealistic valuations and outside money. So I wanted to get your take. Um, I'm sure you don't think your valuation is unrealistic. So walk me through it and tell me a little bit about um, what your growth strategy is from here. Yeah, so the way in which we work, the way our model is designed, and the support service and systems that we ultimately provide in service of our agent partners have nothing to do with the capital that we've raised. Uh, even if we had raised zero dollars, uh, we still would have been the company that we are. It just would have been on a smaller scale. The product would still be uh, the product. It still would be a brokerage platform that's white label, invisible to the consumer, that's doing business as these, these distinct brands that the agents actually own themselves in partnership with Side, that we then work to help grow in a way that's predictable and help to improve the productivity of through system implementation and reliable service uh, level agreements and uh, really sophisticated support. Capital only allows us to do that at a larger scale faster. Mm -hmm. So instead of it taking 50 years for us to provide that product and distribute that future across the country, we can do it in five. Okay. That, that's, that's the big difference. And if you look at um, where side will be at the end of this year, we'll be a top five national by volume. Uh, and that'll be largely, 85% uh, of that will be in California and 15% of that will be in Florida and Texas. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so if you're a sophisticated investor like Co2, you look at that and say, okay, well, once this company actually expands nationally, it's going to be worth over $10 billion. Uh, and so we can reliably invest in it today at a billion dollar valuation and put in $150 million and trust that once that money is invested, the company will be worth like $3 billion, not a billion dollars. Uh, so that's the way we think about raising venture capital. It's a means to an end. It's not an end in and of itself. And it's all in service of creating a viable alternative for top producing agents, teams, and indies that don't want to be subservient to like five or six national brokerage brands. Okay. And I want to talk about your growth strategy. Obviously, that, like you said, that money is going to allow you to scale and grow faster. Um, and you just mentioned California, Texas, Florida. Those, I think, are the only three markets you're in right now, correct? That um, is correct. Okay. Yes, so was... what markets are you looking at? What are you focusing on going forward? In the next six to eight months, we're going to enter 15 additional markets. Uh, and then by the end of next year, we'll be in every single market in the country. The way we think about it, Tracy, is wherever there is a top producing agent or team that's doing really great work serving clients in their local market, we want to be there to be a part of them, to help them do that even better, to help them do that even more on an, an even larger scale, because that's what best advances the public good. Today, 
70% of all transactions nationally are facilitated by part-time agents. And nobody talks about that. It's like this thing that is a uh, high stigma for the industry. But that's the reason why consumers have such low confidence in agent-assisted services. And it's because most agents are not very good at what they do. And that's exactly how the traditional brokerages want it. Because an agent doing one deal a year is going to pay a 50% split, if not more. Uh, and an agent doing 10 is going to pay 30%. Um, so the incentives are, are highly misaligned. Uh, broker would you rather have a thousand agents doing one deal each as opposed to a hundred agents doing 10 deals each, because even though it's the same number of total transactions, the brokerage will make a lot more money if they're distributed. Uh, so for us, our national expansion plan follows the footprint of where there are top producing agents. Uh, and so the next 15 states is where there's the highest concentration. So that's states like New York, states like um, Virginia, Maryland, and of course, D.C., states like Georgia, states like Washington, like Oregon, like Utah, like Colorado. That's where you'll see us going next. And from there, we'll flow to wherever else we uh, know there are top producers that could use help doing the heroic work they already are doing. Okay, great. And I know you have a different business model than most, but who do you consider your biggest competition? That's ultimately our biggest competition is ourselves and our own ability to improve how we execute and improve how we serve uh, our partners because they are our clients. We are a vendor to the agents that we work with. Um, And so that's what we concentrate on. They are the sun around which we orbit. They're the the true north in that way. And we're very input driven. So traditional brokerages sort of listen to what agents have to say and then tell them that they're crazy and asking for too much. We listen to what they have to say and understand that there are real problems that they're looking to solve and then get to work on understanding how we can make a difference and how we can better help. Um, So that is how we think about competition. Now, obviously any other company that exists where an agent is hanging a license is a competitor. Uh, Today, roughly 25% of our partners have come from Compass. For example, 0% of our partners have ever left to go work at Compass. Uh, They have partnered with us to create their own businesses. About 20% of our partners have come from brokerages like Keller Williams. About 25% of our partners have come from independents, where they were already independent, but they did not go independent because they really wanted to operate a back office. That was not the motivation. So today they can still be independent, but higher side to take care of all that stuff they don't like doing in the first place. So right there, we're talking about 70% of our partners. And then the other 30% come from Realogy companies like Coldwell, Sotheby's, maybe some from Remax, some from EXP. But Remax, EXP, Realogy companies, they don't have a lot of top producers there today. So that's why we don't get, that's that's why collectively they're only about 30% of our partners because there's not a lot of top producing agents at those companies anymore. Ooh, those are fighting words there. <laughs> oh, it's, just, it's, just, it's just what's true. It's just what's true. But that's but there's a reason why those companies don't really mind that because, you know, if if you have 200,000 licensed agents and they each do two deals a year, on a, three deals a year on average, well, now you're talking about 600,000 transactions at a 5.5 million. That's a huge share of transactions at a really high split. For them, that's good business. Now, it erodes 
the integrity of the industry. It undermines the consumer interest. Uh, but of course, profit is the motive. Um, so I'm not looking to pick fights. I'm just very sober about what is and what isn't. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that explanation. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, I do want to talk about your tech stack. And so um, I also, before that, though, I have a question. So you're, are you paying splits or are you paying, is it a fee um, for these? No, we, we do splits uh, with caps. So okay. it's, uh, so, you, you know, we want to, we don't want to reinvent too many wheels. We're already reinventing how transaction works and how, and the agent's responsibility in transaction. And we'll talk about that when we talk about our, the, what we do with technology and software. Uh, so from an economic standpoint, we like to have our incentives aligned. So it is performance-based. We only get paid when they get paid, but we cap on their upside. So past a certain level of uh, fee of, of splits, split fee paid into side, agents no longer pay. And then they're sort of have a lot of upside um, that they can realize uh, beyond that, which is what we want because we want them to be able to reinvest that back into their business. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously your branding, the way that you do the white level branding is, is very different than other um, brokerage firms, but you talked a lot about your back end. So I want to talk, uh, talk to you about that, that tech stack. And was that developed before you, you know, as you started the company, was that there or is this something you're continuing to, I mean, I think everybody's continuing to improve on it, but are you still developing that? And tell me a little bit about what you have to offer. Oh, yeah. Them. Look, uh, we're, we're hiring a lot of engineers right now. So if any engineers are watching, <laughs> please apply. Um, uh, there is no finish line when it comes to product development. That's an ongoing, forever, infinite thing that we will always do. We started that day zero, and we will do that day infinite. Um, that'll always be the case because there's a lot of things that can be improved and need to be improved. The core product uh, for side is actually our um, transaction system where we streamline and automate everything from contract to close because today that's where top producing agents spend half their time. And it's important, but it's not something that moves the needle for their client. And it takes a lot of their time away. And what I've realized, what we've realized as a company is that a great agent is not constrained by lack of opportunity. They're constrained by lack of capacity. And we want to unconstrain them by uh, taking away so many of the responsibilities that they currently are burdened with that shouldn't be theirs, that should be the brokerages, but are too expensive for the brokerage to staff into. We have developed software that does a lot of the things that humans would otherwise be doing. Uh, um, like for example, automating around the disbursement process, the closing process, the demands process, uh, the contingency removal process, the document origination process, just the overall management of that file. That is all something that none of our partners would ever want to go back to do the way they used to because it takes away so much pain. Yeah, that, yeah. That, yeah, so that, that, that very much is the core and it's new infrastructure, right? We're replacing that brick and mortar office where that's done by human beings uh, with uh, intelligent machines uh, that uh, drive enormous efficiency for agents on a per transaction basis, save them hours of time. And everything else that we do flows into that. So we, of course, 
provide a tech stack that goes beyond that, but that's largely third party. It's not stuff we built from scratch. We figure out what the best products are for CRM. Uh, we give our partners several options. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, that's that's how we we help them automate their marketing efforts as well. Okay. So they can scale it up as well. Okay, great. Um, and so you do have a tech background, obviously. Do you yeah. consider Side to be a tech company? Um, because I think there are a lot of uh, misconceptions in the industry about your company and others as well. So tell me what what do you, what would you like people to know about Side that you think they they've got wrong. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, I don't think people really know that side exists yet. Uh, I like to say that you know the future is here. It's us. It's just not well distributed. Uh, we are a young company. We do not put our brand out there. You know, last in, in April, side was twenty five. Side partners did twenty five percent of the transactions in in San Francisco, and ten percent of the transactions in the San Francisco Bay Area, but nobody saw our brand. Um, so there is that dynamic. Uh, but I think the way that uh, I would have people understand our business is that, yes, we're fundamentally a technology company, but that does not mean that we are low service. We're not DIY the way EXP is, where you know you sort of are on your own and have to assume a whole bunch of additional work you didn't have to do before. Quite the opposite. We have over 300 full-time people in the loop with our software. Uh, and they serve into uh, our partners with a response rate that's on average of three and a half minutes uh, whenever they have any need or concern. So it really is a premium service that far exceeds what you would otherwise get anywhere else because it's designed just for those top producers and it's staffed accordingly. And that can be the stigma with technology brokerages is that maybe you do that at the expense of the human touch and element that makes a really big difference. That's not the case for us. We believe in augmentation, uh, not in wholesale replacement. Uh, So that's the difference. But yes, we are a technology business. Brokerage is a department of our company. Uh, It's something we do incredibly well, uh, but it's not the whole company. Okay, great. Um, yeah, and I've seen, I've watched, I've been to your side virtual conferences and and watched the keynotes and things like that. I've seen you speak and and watch some of your um, your videos as well. So you always have some interesting insights. So why don't you tell um, the brokers listening and their team leaders listening and agents as well what where you see the biggest opportunities um, in really in the real estate industry uh, in the next maybe six months to a year. That's a great question. Uh, I love that question. Uh, first, before I address it, I'll say our next forum will also will be virtual, but also in person. So you're more than welcome. You can come. It's it'll be in August to Napa. And you're 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 invited. I saw that. Uh, I, I'm I'm in. I'm going to Napa. <laughs> please please do come. We got we bought out the whole vineyard there. It'll be fun. Uh, we'll we'll all reunite. Um, but uh, I'll tell you where the biggest opportunity is. Uh, history repeats itself. I'm sure you've heard that adage quite a lot. Uh, if you look at what's happened in the industry over the last hundred years, there's been like several waves of amalgamation uh, where some big money corporate comes in with a stash of cash and like, all right, well, let's buy Prudential and let's buy Century and let's buy Coldwell and let's buy Pacific Union and let's like stitch all these smaller brokerages together into this larger Frankenstein of a 
conglomerate and company. Um, and every single time that that's happened, that those boutiques, because Cobalt used to be a boutique, right? San Francisco-based boutique brokerage, um, just the same way that um, uh, Century 21 was, et cetera. Uh, but every time that that happens, it creates space in the market for new boutiques to emerge. Mm-hmm. And because consumers prefer a boutique experience to like Walmart of real estate, if they want something more bespoke and local uh, and focused and specialized, anytime boutiques get taken out of market and new ones enter, they grow really fast because the demand is there. The demand for that is there. Uh, and it just needs somebody to step up to meet it. That's the biggest opportunity. And obviously I, uh, it's why site is what it is, mm-hmm. right? If we have our way in 10 years, instead of there being five brokerage brands under which 2 million agents are subservient, you'll instead have thousands of locally owned and operated boutiques that are owned by the agents who work within them uh, that best serve their communities better than anybody else possibly can because they live in those communities. They know them in a really nuanced way and they have skin in the game because it's their name, right? It's, it's their business. So that is what I believe the opportunity is, whether you're working with side or otherwise, uh, if you're a top producing agent or team within a brokerage, do what uh, so many teams have done in the past, which is leave and start your own boutique and then set yourself up to be acquired if you so wish in 10 to 15 years time for 30, 40, $50 million dollars at least have that option, be in a position where you have that choice as opposed to being the product that gets sold and resold over and over again. Uh, whether that's in partnership with us or entirely on your own, I do believe that's the opportunity. Okay. So we just went through a big wave of amalgamation, con- conglomeration, and there's lots of open space for new boutiques to enter the market. Yeah, that's interesting. Very interesting. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about the market. You're in a couple of really hot markets. I, uh, California. You know, I think people are are moving out, but they're also moving out of the city into other areas in California. I did. So, I moved out of the city. Yeah. So, um, what are some trends that you're seeing in the market right now? And like, kind of, if you had a crystal ball, where where do you see? What do you see it looking like? We've got a lot of. Um, this is a crazy market. I mean, it's booming. We've got inflation kind of creeping in. We've got, um, you know lumber costs up housing starts are still up though so what do you what do you what do you think about the market it's a really challenging and complex market because demand far is far outstripping supply and i don't believe that's because mortgage rates are low most of those buyers so many of those buyers are all cash they just they have the money to to make those purchases so they're not even looking to finance. Uh, so couple that with the fact that mortgage rates are more accessible for more people uh, or mortgages in general, you have historically high demand for historically low supply. And that's not going to change because restrictive uh, zoning, um, for example, uh, high cost of construction are making it really hard to build new homes, especially at the average price point. Uh, as opposed to you know luxury and high end, uh, and that all scares me a great deal. Not for sides, presence as a business will be fine. What's what it scares me for is for the future generation of people who will not be able to buy homes even though they have good jobs 
and qualify for mortgages because it's just the supply is so low. And then you have corporates coming in, buying all neighborhoods full of houses as long-term assets, creating more renters. We really are seeing, uh, we're at a point right now where there's a risk to home ownership on a 20-year horizon. That's for the very first time in this country, a real risk. Uh, We might become a country of renters in our lifetimes. It's terrifying to me. Uh, I think that's why agents are so important because an agent will take somebody who may not easily be able to get into a home, a good agent, and make that a reality because they're incentivized to and they care and it's their passion. But unfortunately, there's only about 200,000 of those agents nationally out of the 2 million agent pool. And they can't today in status quo serve everyone. Um, so, uh, but they, they do a really important service. And I think it's super important for the entire industry to support them in that. Whereas historically, the industry has tried to commoditize those brokerages. They want th- those agents, brokerages want agents to all be like the same. It's easier for them. Uh, I think it's time now to commoditize the brokerages in favor of those agents, because that's the only way. Uh, As an industry, I think that we're able to combat that trend of declining home ownership rates and less accessibility. So I think that's super important. And the second big uh, thing that I will say there is, you know, you do today have more agents in the industry than ever before. Great. That's great business for a lot of brokerages who take monthly fees. Oh, great. We have 60,000 agents paying $85 a month. That's a lot of money. Um, But it might be good business for them. But it's not good for the industry or the public good or for the consumer or for the good agents. Um, But what you continue to see is amalgamation from agents. So, you know, so many of our partners go from like 20 to 200 million in the course of a few years have done that in in annual production volume. That's not going to slow. I think in 10 to 20 years time, instead of 2 million agents, you're going to have more like 400,000 agents that are very good and they are going to collectively represent all 2.2 plus trillion dollars in annual home sales nationally, as opposed to 70% of that today being represented by part-time agents, which is not tenable. It should not be the way. So those are the two big trends. Okay. Wow. I really appreciate your insight. Um, you obviously do a lot of thinking about this, so thank you for sharing it. <laughs> I do. I care about this deeply. It's my life's work. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't do this for like money or whatever. I, I, I am very fortunate to have had some success prior to this that have made me comfortable in that respect. So today it's all about purpose uh, and it's all about doing something that matters. And I really, you know, I come from a family that was paycheck to paycheck forever. Um, and the only way that my parents were able to break that cycle was at retirement when they sold the home that they had paid into for 20 years. And that's how they'll be able to have a dignified retirement. And that's something that should be more accessible to people. And today it's less and it's a problem. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. The only way to solve that is by taking an agent who's already great at serving 20 clients a year and helping them serve 50 clients a year. Yeah. You have to scale that. Yeah. 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 And some, and some uh, affordable housing programs that the, the, the problem, the problem, yeah, the problem, of course, Tracy, is that I have very little faith in the in, in, in the government's ability to do that. Yeah. I have a lot more faith in the entrepreneurial spirit of agents yeah. 
to do that, right? That's You're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm I'm by no means like some like anti-government person. I just yeah. I, we live in San Francisco where they're so progressive that it's regressive. Yeah, right? that that zoning laws um, are super exclusionary. It's impossible to create density, and, and that's uh, not just here. It's it's everywhere. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, my final question is just tell me what the future holds for Side. Look, um, Side will one day uh, have thousands. Today we have over 300 partners, so we're 300 distinct boutiques that we power in partnership with the agents that are top producers that own them. Um, uh, we will, in the next few years, uh, get to a point where we have several thousand partners nationally. Um, and uh, at that point, we'll look to take the company public so that we can entrench it and make it indestructible so that it lasts the test of time and is always there for agents that want it, that need it, that want to not just run a business because every agent who's a top producer today runs a business. They just don't own the business. And so we want to put them in a position where they own what they run, that they stop renting, they take their own advice, right? And they, they, they buy. Um, that uh, is where side is going. We're taking that message nationally. Uh, and um, IPOing is a means to that end. It'll be, you know, a stop along that journey. But it's an endless journey. It's an infinite journey. There, there is no finish line. There's always room to make improvements. But that's that's where we are now. Um, this is where we intend on going. Uh, and so far, so good. Uh, we, when I when we started the business uh, uh, about four and a half years ago. We said, let's take a year and figure out if we can actually make a difference for these people, for these agents. Because if we cannot, after a year's worth of time, then there's no point for us to exist. The world doesn't need one more of the same brokerage. Either we do something entirely different and distinct or call it a day. So that's what we signed up for. And four and a half years later, it's uh, really validating and encouraging to see that we have been able to make a big difference for folks. And I'm excited to make more of a difference for more people. Well, thank you, Guy. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and talking to me. You've had some really uh, some things I'm going to think about, maybe some stories I'm going to write about too. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, we're, we're very transparent and we love to collaborate. We do keep a low profile because it's not about us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it's, it's about our partners. Uh, but my, I would highly encourage you to speak to our agent partners because they have wonderful, amazing, inspiring stories. Great. Well, thank you. Now more than ever, the housing industry is looking to its leaders for answers. That's why each week, the Housing News Podcast invites a new mortgage, fintech, or real estate executive to the show to provide its listeners with more perspective on the announcements and news stories crossing HousingWire's news desk. Hosted by Sarah Wheeler and produced by Alcina Lloyd, the Housing News Podcast is now available on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, and more. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode and we'll catch everyone back here again tomorrow.